Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When we lost John, we knew that it was really over. I was talking to Yoko and she said, Ah, oh, I think I've got a tape of John. Paul called me up and said he'd like to work on Now and Then. He put the bass on, I put the drums on. It's the last song that my dad and Paul and George and Ringo will get to make together. How lucky was I to have those men in my life. Welcome back to a bonus episode of the Take It Away podcast. I will be your co-host for this bonus episode I'm way too excited about. My name's Paul Kaminsky. Chris, say hi, Chris. Hi, everybody. Chris Mercer here. And if you're hearing this, it means that Chris has allowed this onto the internet airwaves, so to speak, through the series of tubes and into your ears comes (laughs) a once in a generation, let's call it, uh, (laughs) reaction (laughs) from Chris Mercer. So today, like many Beatle fans uh, have been doing and enjoying, we're actually going to listen to Now and Then, the new Beatles single that at the time of this recording was released in the last uh, week or so, about about a week. Mm Mm-hmm. And also, at the time of this recording, a number one record in the UK, which is fantastic. It cue the fireworks. Whatever you think about the song, it's remarkable that the lads are back on top, and I'm very happy about that. But I found out something so cool this morning. I found out Chris Mercer, your friend and mine, has not listened to the song yet. Uh, welcome to Flaming Pie Part 2. <laughs> Remember how fun it was <laughs> piling on to Mercer? Well, uh, I don't know. Maybe we're going to have a repeat of that. <laughs> I'm not sure. I-, I can say that I was not a fan, you know, of real love or free as a bird. I believe we talked briefly about now and then back when Ryan and I covered it on Flaming Pie. I think that's when we did it because we were doing the Beatles anthology stuff and we mentioned this other song that was considered and rejected. And I think we played a little bit of it. Very melancholy song. Now, I did review the demo this morning. So I heard the John Lennon original version. I have not, as Paul says, heard the Beatles version. That was a hard B. That was a hard B, Chris. You, you sounded pained saying it, but I'm... I'm... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I I have this feeling of like... And I'm looking forward to having my mind changed, but I just have this feeling in recent years that I wish people would leave my favorite stuff alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop going back and trying to dig it up again. You got your Beatles records, you know? Here's an idea. Listen to one of the hundreds of thousands of other bands. <laughs> you got your you got your Beatles records. If that's not enough, find another band, you know? But uh, I feel that way about Star Wars and Star Trek and any number of things that are beloved by me that I just don't need more of. Anyway, so here we go. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. We haven't even told the people what we're going to do. So we're actually going to play the song to you. You're going to play it, and we're going to get your reaction in real time. So that's right, folks. For, I guess, what would be the last time in history we're going to get Chris Mercer's real-time reaction to a new Beatles single. 
And I am dying to hear this. We're going to discuss it a little bit. We want to know actually also what you think as well at home listening to this or out and about or wherever you are. But without further ado, I think we're just going to, we're going to listen and we're going to hear Chris's response. That's the first time since my reaction to Let It Be back in in 70, but yeah, yeah, sure. Sorry. <laughs> okay, here here we go. One, two. Studio chatter. I like it. It's a pretty Beatlesy production. Those cellos, huh? So this part is not in the demo, is it? The song is manipulated from its original structure. Yeah. Sounds convincingly Beatles-esque in terms of the arrangement, you know? Yeah, like Giles it works. Nice yeah. Oh, I'm not gonna watch the video. Oh. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty good. It's not bad. Yay! Like, I really like the arrangement here in this instrumental section. Is someone doing a George Harrison impression there on the slide? That's Paul. That's Paul. 60 years later, he's still telling George how to do his solos.
whoever's doing the orchestration, the string parts is nailing it. Like that's such a George Martin thing with the staccato strings there. It's his son, it's Giles. Well, okay, that was way better than I thought. <laughs> Good. I'm so happy to hear that. You know what's missing is a it's like a Jeff Lynn snare sound. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound quite stuffy and clinical enough. If, if only we could get it to sound a little more digital, maybe. Oh, I uh, love that. I love that. You know, that I prefer that to Real Love and yeah. Free as a Bird. Like, the sound is more genuinely Beatles-esque to me. Yeah. As opposed to Jeff Lynn-esque, you know, not to beat that dead horse. We'll get back to it uh, as we continue with George Harrison. But yeah, that was pretty good. I'm actually surprised at how much I'm uh, tolerating it. You know, I don't know how many times I'm going to listen to that. A friend of mine had pointed out, he had read some reviews somewhere where a person had said, sorry that that is like fourth hand. But basically the, the point is someone had said, it's not really a Beatles song. It's a Beatles tribute song. I don't know. How do you feel about that, Paul? I mean, it depends how you view the anthology tracks. I view mm. them as a an epilogue. I personally consider them canon. Okay. Your mileage may vary on that depending on your taste and your opinion about revisiting this stuff. But the more I learn about the Beatles, and especially the more I learn about John Lennon, the more I think, and obviously I don't know these people personally, obviously, but the more I think that he probably would have actually liked that Paul and George and Ringo felt so much for his artistry that they would go back and do that. I think he would have actually appreciated that. I don't think that Too Cool for School John Lennon is is all that true. But again, based on what I've read, obviously I don't know these people. So in my mind, it's legitimate from that vantage point. Mm -hmm. But I look at them more as an epilogue. Now, I was pretty young when those came out. So I remember I, in 95, I was 10. And I have a very, very vivid memory of Free as a Bird and Real Love coming out. And I loved them at the time because, you know, I was 10. And it was the anthology was coming out. And the videos were fun. And it looked like they were all having fun together. And I think of this one the same way. It's funny, when I heard it, my first reaction was kind of the same as yours, which was... Mm -hmm oh, they made something out of this. That was mm -hmm. literally my first thought. They made something out of this. Because like many people, I had heard the demo and thought, well, this, I think I had the same reaction George Harrison did in 95 was this is so unfinished. It really needed a lot of help. So I thought that they actually did a great job. My second thought was George was right. There's not a lot here. Mm -hmm. And then my third thought was that Paul was perhaps even a little too reverent. And I was missing a... Paul bit, which is what I love the most about Free as a Bird. Me too. Where you get Paul come in and do a verse and it sounds kind of Paul-y and he gets still yes. sort of has his voice and stuff, you know? That's right. So that's that's the other thing I missed. I thought if John were alive and they were to have taken up this song, they would have diverged in some point, you know, maybe not to the extent of like a day in the life or something like that, but I felt as though Paul would have contributed more. But I think he did an appropriate level of what would be considered tasteful manipulation of the song as it currently existed, as opposed to adding to it. Sure. So that's the way I feel about them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Totally fair. Yeah. I guess I see them as, yes, an epilogue, uh, whether I consider it canon 
probably not. I do remember listening to this demo, not just this morning, but a few years back and thinking, hmm, might be hard to get something good out of this. Right. It's a depressing song. It sure you know, is. Which is, which is <laughs> okay. I'm good with depressing songs, but I, I kind of wondered how you would you know, sell this as some kind of uh, Beatles epilogue when it's so sad. But they kind of toned down the sadness in the way they did the arrangement. Again, I'm not immersed enough in the song itself to know where they added new material just off the top of my head, just on a first listen. But it sounds like they added some new material or at least arranged it differently that also mitigates the downer aspect of the song. Now, I guess it took some AI to what? Separate John Lennon's voice from his piano so they could do mixing? Is that what they used it for? Yeah, so the... Official explanation, and and actually you might really enjoy watching the 12-minute documentary about the song that came out. It's a breezy 12 minutes. They kind of go through the process a little bit, although it's really funny because Paul, like he does, sort of reframes the narrative, shall we say, about why the Threedles abandoned the song in 95. Gone is the mention that George didn't like the song or anything like that. Now it is purely the tape was hissy. We we couldn't get a good sound out of it, whatever. And you know what? It's fine, whatever. What are they going to say? George thought the song was shit? Like, no, they're not going to say that. Well, and this is one of Paul's gifts, right? <laughs> coming, up, coming up with a good line <laughs> like that, you know? <laughs> so yeah, the Peter Jackson used it. It's called Mal, the uh, technology. Not to be confused with malware, but it's... Um, <laughs> I forget what it stands for, but it's M-A-L, and it's the same technology that was used to clean up Get Back, and it's the same demixing technology that was used on the recent Revolver box set and on the Red and the Blue remixes, where they can now separate out tracks that have been bounced down in the past Mm -hmm. using AI technology to kind of almost like Jurassic Park, like fill in the code. So you can actually make interesting stereo mixes from things that you couldn't before. Well, I happen to know that 10 or 15 years ago, you could do that. You didn't need AI for that. It was just called auditory scene analysis. Okay. There are professors at Northwestern who were working on that. I don't know if they could do it as well. Probably the ease and accuracy with which you can do it is enhanced by AI. But that technology itself has been around for a while. Yeah, I guess I would equate it in the visual arts to what they call clone stamp in Photoshop, where you take bits around. It's like a a brush that uses bits from around the piece that you're manipulating to fill in the holes. Whatever the case, this technology is proprietary to Peter Jackson. It's, you know, he trademarked and all that stuff, and they used it to extract the vocal. And in the documentary, they actually play the pure Lennon vocal, and it sounds great it sounds really really crystal clear i mean it does on the record too every time i hear it i'm actually more impressed by how clean it sounds and i wish they would go back in and do the same to freeze a bird in real love (laughs) and get yeah get him to sound less like a ghost or a ghoul and uh actually it's true he does sound ghostly like he's you know up in the attic or something (laughs) singing (laughs) yeah (laughs) But that's what they did. And then George has a acoustic track on it. If you do steal yourself and watch the video, Chris, you can see there's video of George actually playing the song, which you know he's playing the song because Paul is singing it at the piano. 
mm-hmm. at the same time. So you know that they at least tracked a backing track, and that's what Giles says in the... Um, Back in 95, then. Right, yeah. And they tracked Ringo, too. Okay, got it. They tracked all of them then, and then, but Ringo redid his drum parts, Paul redid his bass part, and then obviously since George is no longer here, and they wanted to cut out that sort of depressing bit in the song... They swapped it out with a slide solo, which Paul couches as a tribute to George, mm. which I, I buy that explanation. I also just, as I said, during when we were watching it, I think it's really funny Paul's still <laughs> doing the solos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Lost on changes. Paul that that's like, <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you happen to remember, I, I'm pretty sure that real love Free as a bird also, is this from that era? They're all from the uh, from the Dakota years, so it's late 70s. Yeah, and um, Real Love was the only one that he had seriously considered putting to record before his death. Real Love had been included on one of the early run-through track listings of Double Fantasy, which didn't wind up seeing fruition. It probably would have been cut for milk and honey or whatever they would have called it Mm -hmm. had he lived oh wow that's an interesting alternate reality yeah the so there's another aspect of this too so the the three dolls well actually there's two other aspects i wanted to touch on but the three dolls got four songs from yoko they got freeze a bird real love now and then and growled with me oh right the three dolls did not take up Grow Old with me because that had appeared on milk and honey Mm -hmm. and they thought well it's come out already we're not going to do it. And there is a version that Ringo did with Paul on a Ringo solo record recently in the last, whatever it was, eight years or so. It's fine. Grow old along with me. The best is yet to be. When our time has come. I don't love that song. I think it's probably one of the more polished songs of the bunch. Mm-hmm. So th- there are four songs, and ultimately the Three Dolls just did not take up that. Although if you're interested in hearing a really cool George Martin arrangement, one does exist on the Lennon anthology. Yoko had asked uh, George Martin to do an arrangement, I think actually with Giles for that song. Oh, interesting. Well, I really love that old demo that's on Milk and Honey. Me too. I'm pretty attached to that. So I I would have felt very weird in 95 about suddenly there being a Threedles version of that. Yeah. That would have been strange to me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But, you know, we, we already knew Real Love from the Imagine movie. Right. But I had never heard Free as a Bird when that came out in 95. That was new to me. Yeah, I I loved Free as a Bird at the time. I think it's a it's a really strong song. I like Free as a Bird a lot, and I love that video so much. Mm. And it it just it's a head scratcher for me why this wasn't included in a cleaned up reissue of anthology as opposed to the Red and the Blue albums. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I watched anthology recently for the first time in you know about a, 
whatever it was. It's been a decade or so, but I pop that on every once in a while just to kind of see. And it's really grainy. The quality is not wonderful. The last time it was issued was, I think, in the year 2000. So it's just a DVD. It's not a Blu-ray or anything. To me, this would have made a lot of sense as a third track Hmm. on an anthology reissue. Hopefully, I really hope, knock on wood, Peter Jackson actually does that. Interesting. Goes in and cleans up anthology. Because when you do watch the video, if you do, there's really cool video that was licensed, I think. I could be wrong about this, but I believe it was licensed from Rogue Best, who is um, Mona Best and Neil Aspinall's kid. Uh Uh-huh who has primitive footage of the leather-clad Beatles actually performing in some club. I don't even know where it was shot, but it's really like weird to see because the earliest video I know of of Beatles playing is, you know, some other guy from that Granada TV thing in 1962, but they're in suits. Mm-hmm. This predates that. I don't know how far it predates it, but they're in the leather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty wild so really they could have fun going in there and adding stuff and i i don't know i i wish i hope they do i hope they do do you have any sense of the why now of this i mean it's been 30 years since real love and freeze a bird yeah so i think it was a couple things it was the get back project Hmm. it was them working with peter jackson and seeing what he could do and it was Paul scratching that itch and finally feeling as though he has an excuse to scratch that itch Mm mm-hmm because he has the ability now with the technology to make it sound good. And so I think that is the primary reason the red and the blue thing still confounds me, like why they're attaching this to that. Well, that's some product they have ready right now, right? right. That's that's the reason. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think it boils down to they had the technology and Paul and Ringo are both still able to play their instruments. Yeah. For how long are we going to be able to say that? Not to be morbid, but like... Sure, sure. Probably not that long in the grand scheme of things. And Olivia has a wonderful, I wouldn't call it an essay, almost like a forward in the uh, 45 single box where she kind of gives her blessing, her and Danny give their blessing for it. And she has a funny story about apparently George Harrison had bought this weird clock at some antique store, I believe in the vicinity of where Danny was going to college when they were sort of taking him to college. And um, the clock said now and then on it. And this would have been after the Threedles recorded uh, or abandoned recording now and then. And for some reason, recently, Olivia had moved that clock to the mantelpiece. And when Paul called, Olivia had this moment where she looked at this clock that she put on the mantelpiece and couldn't believe the coincidence of now and then and this clock that says now and then on it. And she said, that was my sign. That was my personal sign from George that he was okay with it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think it's sweet. I think it's kind of sweet. Well, I guess that was better than I expected. I still have a feeling of, you know, I don't really need it, which is how I feel about a lot of these souped up reissues and remasters and director's cuts. And a lot of this stuff, I just feel like, I'm good with the original, but in this case, the original is a demo, and I could have gotten by with that demo from here on out. But you know, this is this—I'm not upset or offended by that. I thought I might be really cringing through this, and and I did not cringe. It's fine. It's even a little bit charming. So, 
That is high praise from you, Chris. I'm so happy. Yeah, I was expecting not to dig this, and I thought I was going to go on like a whole Star Wars rant. (laughs) And and I don't even have to do that. So congratulations, everybody. (laughs) I was going to make a lot of Star Wars analogies about like letting the past go. But uh, yes, embrace your (laughs) hatred. Did you hear the story of the uh, lady in the orchestra who died without knowing she was on this track? No. So they recorded the orchestra part at Capitol Studios last year and didn't tell the orchestra that it was a Beatle thing. They they said it was a Paul McCartney session and they gave it some fake title. And Paul was there and Giles was there and stuff. And when the song was set to come out, they all found out, oh shit, you're playing on this Beatles thing. But one of the ladies had died actually, uh, in that interim, and never knew that she would be not only in the song, but in the video. Yeah. Which is uh, pretty wild, actually. You played on the last Beatles song, and you'll never know it. Right, right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's comforting to me that this is out, and it's been so embraced. You know, last night at the time of this recording, we're recording this the night after SNL, where Boy Genius played on SNL, and did their own tribute to the Beatles by recreating the set of the Ed Sullivan show Mm. as a tribute. I just love it. I'm so happy with it, actually. Even my wife was like, oh, that's, what is this? And I was like, oh, it's the new Beatles single. She's like, oh, that sounds good. She lived in England at the time when Free as a Bird came out. She remembered that song being everywhere. And she's like, this sounds way better than that. I was like, yeah. (laughs) I know. Sorry, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) I like Free as a Bird. Don't get me wrong. She loved Real Love so much, we put that... That was in our wedding, uh, Real Love, the song, the Beatle version. But anyway. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I remember being enchanted with Real Love when I heard it in the Imagine movie. I went to see the Imagine movie at the theater when it came out. Right. It was like, what is this sweet John Lennon song I'm hearing right now? Yeah. You know? It was a good choice to do that for the anthology. It's Okay, well, hey, that's a pretty good outcome, you know, so um, not not half bad, not half bad. Well, I am tickled, Chris. Thank you so yeah. much for agreeing to do this. I know you were trepidatious. <laughs> thanks for talking me into it. No, thanks for talking me into it, because my first reaction when we texted was like, I actually said to Paul, you know, I'm about as excited about hearing this as I would be to see a Star Wars movie at this point, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or Star Wars TV show. Like, can we just... Let it go, but no, this was this was fine, you know. And uh, you know, Paul had the insight that it would be a rare opportunity to have a real time reaction to a new Beatles song. It just happens I haven't gotten around to it this week. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm tickled, Chris. Thank you very yeah. much. And I think people at home will be too. Of course, there's a chance no one will hear this. So if you are, consider yourself lucky. It means no, it made I, it out. <laughs> no, we're gonna we're gonna release it. This this is fine. This was a fine. I, I was afraid it would be me at my most curmudgeonly and it wasn't. So I think we can release it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Good. good Great, good. Paul. Thank you. All right, everybody. And we want to hear what you think of the song as well. So you write yes. in, let us know on the Facebook group. We actually have a new... Uh, this is being released as a bonus episode, but just to let everybody know, we actually do have a new Instagram handle, which we are working on building up at the moment, which is take it away underscore complete solo Beatles. So if you want to follow us on Instagram, we don't have too much up right now, but uh, we'll put it up now and then. Oh my God, that was the other thing I wanted to mention. Before we go, I do want to mention this and I don't know. Okay, I'm just going to put this right out there. I don't know, but you know, uh, Carl Perkins song, uh, My Old Friend. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Won't you think of me every now and then? You know, there's that clip. I don't know if it was actually an audio clip or a written interview or something, but when Carl Perkins played Paul McCartney the song My Old Friend to thank Paul for bringing him onto the tug-of-war sessions to do Get It, he wrote this really touching song for Paul. And in the end of that song, he says, won't you think about me every now and then? Oh, and Linda at the time noted that, you know, when Carl played that song to Paul, he had to leave the room. Hmm. He started crying and had to leave the room. And Carl was sort of sitting there going, well, I know, I know the song was touching, but like, what's this about? You know, because it seemed unusual for Paul to be displaying emotion in that way. Because he's a fairly guarded person at times with his emotions. And Linda said that... That was something John said to him the last time they spoke before he died. Wow. Was, won't you think about me every now and then? And it was not long after Lennon was killed and Paul was still sort of processing it. Mm -hmm. And I have to believe that if that's true, of course Paul held a candle for this song because it would have been so intensely personal to him, just like it is for the rest of the world. The Beatles mm -hmm. are so personal for the rest of the world. His friendship with John was more than that. It was They were real people who loved each other. So I think for that reason as well, I really responded to this song, if, that, if that's true. And, and you never know with these things, you never know what's mythologized and what isn't, but it, sound, it has the ring of truth about it to me. So I think that's a sweet thing I wanted to contribute. On the Isle of Montserrat No, I never shall forget Just a country boy A guitar and a song You invited me in And you've treated me like kin And you've given me a reason to go home my old friend Thanks for inviting me in My old friend May this goodbye never mean the end And if we never meet Again, this side of life in a little while over yonder, where is peace and quiet? My old friend, won't you think about me every now and then? 